Hello, dear friends and partners. Jesse Schreck here with Practical Missions Cohort, founder and director, serving on field in Italy as a missionary church planter. And today we have a special episode for you. I was able to interview a friend here in Italy who was actually saved out of the Jehovah Witness. And uh, so we get to hear his story a little bit and learn how to better witness to Jehovah Witnesses. Uh, for those who are tuning in, this is uh, a friend of mine, Daniel, who uh, lives here in Italy. He's in the military, serving our country uh, in the military. And he's been in the military a number of years. He's been in Italy. How long have you been in Italy now? Uh, probably uh, going on almost two years. Almost two years, and uh, he'll be here still a little while longer. Uh, we got the opportunity to meet at a church in the town of Vicenza, where he's stationed, and uh, we became friends. We have uh, uh, similar uh, uh, belief and also uh, heroes of the faith. Uh, uh, when we get together, uh, I love looking at his library. We talk about different books, theology, doctrine, and, and there's all kinds of things we could be talking about. And uh, But we've also been in COVID times for a long time here, and uh, we can't get together in person as easily. Uh, here in Italy anyway, it's not so easy to gather. Uh, so we worship together on Sundays in this period, uh, together with the other folks there. Uh, he's also serving as one of the uh, one of the leaders of the church at this time. The, the, the pastor went back to the States, uh, Brother John and uh, another pastor is coming. In the meantime, Daniel and, and two other guys are overseeing the flock and, and doing all the work, bringing the word each Sunday and, uh, and ministering to each other and so on. So apart from serving uh, our country, he's also uh, serving uh, the brothers and sisters at the church there and uh, bringing the word and he's got a passion for the word of God. And, and uh, so we could talk about all kinds of things. But Daniel, I found out also from when we first met, he has a, a testimony that I really want to hear about. So that's the purpose of our conversation today. I want to hear more of his story because he was actually saved out of a cult. And uh, any testimony that when someone comes to Jesus, as we all know, is a great testimony. And, uh, but something particularly special when someone's delivered out of a cult and uh, it just reveals uh, God's grace in a special way. So uh, I, uh, he came out of the Jehovah Witnesses and I've evangelized many Jehovah Witnesses, but I've, I've yet to see one convert to Christ, born again and saved. And so this is, uh, this is for me today, but we're praying uh, that others of you who tune in will also be able to benefit uh, from our conversation today uh, and hearing how the Lord delivered him and, uh, and brought him soundly into the kingdom. So, uh, that's uh, that's the story. Dan, you're married, Daniel, right? And you have uh, how many kids? So I'm uh, married to Miss Esther, and uh, we have we have five kids. Um, feels like fifty, uh, mm. but uh, we have five. Yeah. Yeah. God bless you. That's great. Yeah, and that's another reason we enjoy uh, when we're together, at least I do, because uh, our little boy Cornelius can play. They have a son uh, about the same age. Jin Wan and and they get together and they share gifts with each other and so that's really exciting uh, also. Uh, so we heard a little bit about Daniel. He's got five kids. He's married in the military in Italy now, going on two years. Uh, and but now we want to hear some of the story. Uh, how uh, how you got saved from the Jehovah Witness uh, cult? Uh, and I like I call it a cult because I think we would agree it actually is a cult, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, though they call themselves Christians and everything else, uh, the truth is they are an actual cult. Uh, so. Tell us this. Did you grow up uh, a Jehovah Witness, or did you become one later when you were older? How did you get into this, uh, the Jehovah Witness? How did, how did you get into that? Yeah, so, um, well, first, thanks for having me on. This is really fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing it again. This is this is nice, um, especially if it can help anybody. Uh, uh, this particular topic especially, you know. Uh, right. it, it's, uh, there's a lot of um, good... Uh, YouTube's uh, videos on on what we would call a debunked uh, Jehovah's Witness who's you know gotten saved and so um, 
if I could be a part of that, that that's pretty neat. Um, but yeah, my grandmother, uh, Carmen Lopez, um, mm. I think as early as the late 40s, early 50s, uh, became a Jehovah's Witness. And so my dad and his brother were raised uh, as Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm. Uh, so that's all they knew. Now, now both of them would stray from that for uh, a period of time, but eventually in their adulthood, they both went back to adhering to uh, their system of belief and submit themselves mm. to the uh, governing body or the organization of the, of the JW cult. Mm. Uh, so this ergo, right. Uh, my, I have a brother and I had a sister who passed away uh, in 2020. We were just raised that way. Uh, so since that's all I ever knew, not, you know, since being born, uh, was that religion. Uh, okay. Okay. So you did grow up then in that, in that context, you didn't come into it as an adult, like you already, <clears throat> you got, you didn't get converted into it. You were grown up. Into right. It. Okay. Okay. And, uh, now tell me this though, were you, were you always, uh, just, you, you believed that it made sense to you? Or were you always a bit skeptical, not so sure, but you didn't want to upset maybe parents and so on, so you went along with it? What, what was it like uh, for you growing up in that? You know, I think it's pretty checkered because there was moments where um, I felt good about what and how I was being raised because mm -hmm. there was a lot of um, what I would call behavior, what I would call now behavior modification. Um, in other words... Okay. Within, God, within God's common grace, mm -hmm. there was enough decency and moral behavior where I kind of grew up different from, say, the, the next door neighbor, where there was a type of or a form of godliness mm -hmm. uh, or a fear of God as they knew it. Um, so there was a sense in which what I was hearing kind of made sense to me because outside you know from the south bronx so seeing what i mm. saw out by my window um and hearing of that you know sin is sin and and certain components of of um you know what i would call a macro theology for all these people professing christ um mm -hmm. it was relatable and i i could identify with it early now as you get older and your sin becomes more evident i think as a preteen i started to resent some of those uh, mandates and those rules and those demands because I wanted to, um, you know, have the friends I wanted to have. I wanted mm -hmm. to be able to talk to a girl uh, in my pre, you know, pre teenage years. Uh, mm -hmm. And there were just rules. Uh, I wanted to wear certain clothes. And um, okay, there was this, okay. this thing. Yeah, there was so yeah. it. It sounds like there was uh, there was two things here. Like in one sense, there was a, a decent morality about the folks. Sure. in this in this cult right and, and i encounter that all the time they're, they're good folks they're nice folks they always dress nice they're they're like super kind almost too kind you know and um uh so so that's a reality but at the same time you, what you just said is you experience the opposite of that too where there's your your the rules right the uh right because it, it is a works-based religion and uh so you experience the weight of that it sounds like also a absolutely completely mm. legalistic uh yeah. and okay. about it yeah 
Yeah. Yep. Now, in a, in a conversation I was having with uh, with a couple here in our area that, that got one of our tracks and then called me and we, we met now a number of times. Uh, and then he had to do he had to relocate to another town. And uh, but he still wanted to meet. He, he got back in touch with me after like a month. But I just lost interest, you know, because I told him what he needs to hear. I told him about the reality that he needs to be born again. Uh, but in our last conversation, it's kind of like they were trying his wife came and they were trying to evangelize me. Right. And uh, I said, listen, the, go- the good news, the-, the gospel you're telling me is not good news. That's a heavy burden. The gospel I'm giving you, the gospel, is a wonderful news. It does not depend on your works. And, and you're loaded down with these works. But the real gospel says all your works will never be good enough. But Christ, right. the perfect one, the Son of God, came, lived perfectly for us, and then gave his life also on the cross in our place, taking the wrath of God upon him, our sins as well, to deliver us from sin. And uh, that's really good news. And once we're saved, we're always saved. And, and uh, so I have nothing more to tell them, except uh, you need to repent and believe in the gospel. And, uh, but he still hasn't done that, and he still wants to meet, and I don't know why. He wants to talk about something with uh, uh, the, the the future kingdom or something, and... I don't know. I might, I might still meet him one last time, but um, in any case, yeah, there is that, that works reality, huh? So you, you encountered that and what, what was that like? Um, like, did they make you feel bad? Uh, right. I don't know. Tell me a little so, bit about that. So, I mean, it starts early uh, where you are indoctrinated with this idea mm-hmm. that salvation and your standing with God is completely dependent on how you act and what you do and the frequency and volume in which you do it. And so now okay. you start to get into a mode like any other workspace cult, Mormons, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or any other workspace religion where you are start to gauge yourself, give yourself metrics and measures and markers. Mm-hmm. And, and it becomes a very you know, moral process to say, okay, last week, God obviously hated me because I had a bad week with mm-hmm. my sin. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was, that was the system. That is the system. Um, mm. They don't hold to a true gospel, obviously. Uh, they struggle with the idea of imputed righteousness, that Christ essentially uh, paid for their sins in full. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they refuse to accept the idea that they don't participate uh, in their salvation or um, uh, in being saved or, or getting saved. They have no concept of that. Um, mm, okay. I always tell people, if you're going to evangelize yeah. or share the truth with a Jehovah's Witness, the best thing to do for them is pray for them. Because uh, mm. like you said earlier, uh, mm-hmm. ultimately, uh, they're very agreeable, uh, just like many Mormons are. Uh, they're very nice. Uh, mm. But at the end of the day, we, we know that the salvation is of the Lord, uh, and there's no other name besides Jesus Christ in which you must be saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they, they need prayer above all. But. Okay, so that's a good point then. the best One of the best things we can do uh, if we want to see them saved is just, just be praying for them and, and answering questions, I, I imagine, as well, pointing them to the true gospel. Uh, but praying because ultimately it's out of our hands. Just like anybody, we can never save anybody. Uh, and these guys are just more people that we can't save, but God can, right? And, and you're a case for that. He saved you. And out of that, uh, yeah, I mean, I even uh, with these guys that I was just telling you about, I, um, I opened the Bible with them and was gracious and gave them my time. And uh, so, for example, I would say, because they believe that Jesus, right, is the, is, an, is the archangel Michael, a created being. And uh, so I simply asked them, 
show me in scripture where you get that concept. And each time we met, I would ask him, so can you show me yet? Uh, you know, no pressure, but I just want to see where that is. Where do you get that? And the only references they have are both taken out of context, misunderstood, but it's very weak in any case. But yet they hold firm to that. And he refused to talk about it. He actually just always dodged the question and wanted to talk about weird other things. And another time then, I also took him to uh, the prophet Isaiah, uh, the, the prophecies towards Jesus Christ, the coming one, and so on, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, you know, these, these titles for God given to Jesus Christ. And then we went on to Revelations. I showed him how Jesus refers to himself as the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. And, and the numerous other cases in Scripture where it's very clear the divinity of Jesus Christ. And uh, it's, like, it's like it just went over his head or in one ear and then right out the other ear and didn't want to talk about it. But I kept going back to that. That's, these are the main things, and you still haven't answered, uh, answered these questions. Uh, so for me, I, I would just talk about this. It's irrelevant to talk about this other stuff because this is the core of the matter, the divinity of Jesus Christ. Uh, so, uh, But t- tell me this, though. Um, I, I know now, now these guys were nice. At least he, he told me that he read the literature that I gave him. I gave him some gospel literature. I gave him a book by Paul Washer on the gospel, which is one of my favorites. It's very, very thorough. And... Uh, and he actually read it. And, and I understand Jehovah Witnesses, they're told they're not supposed to read anything else except for what comes out of the watchtower. Is that correct? That is absolutely true. Okay. Not- and, then, and then their logic behind it, correct me on this if I'm wrong, their logic behind it is everything else is of Satan. That's correct. Right. And so only their stuff is, is worth reading. The other stuff could lead you astray. Yeah, okay, so that's that's pretty wild. And But he actually read the stuff, and it was so interesting to me, and maybe you can comment on this. So he read through this wonderful gospel booklet, uh, which we also have here in Italian. And uh, and it's pretty, pretty. Uh, I don't know if you read this one by Paul Washer, uh, The Gospel of Jesus Christ, and it just treats the gospel, but very thoroughly. And all he did was highlight at the end of it something about how if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've repented, you should go to a, a Bible-believing church, you know, and then uh, where they where they believe in the Trinity. And he just highlighted the word Trinity, and that was like a big stumbling block for him. And he wanted to talk only about that. Of all the things about the gospel, all, that was the thing he wanted to talk about. Tell me uh, your experience with, with that and, and understanding, coming to terms with understanding not just the gospel, but the, the, the triune God of Scripture. What was that like for you since you were taught from when you were little that God is not triune? Right, He's not right. three in one. Yeah, I remember being 12 years old, uh, probably laying in bed and, and thinking about uh, how God, or, or, or they would say Jehovah, in, in referencing mm-hmm. his Old Testament yeah. name, or Yahweh, um, how he did not triune, and how the Holy Spirit, and I think this is still the case today, the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit is nothing more than uh, a force. Uh, God's force um, and that Jesus obviously is a the begotten son or a created being and not himself God mm-hmm. and that really as a young person I was I wasn't able to understand even their version of God because it was I was it's very confusing um, and how they try to tie it in all together uh, until I got saved and seeing clearly where God was able to open my eyes to the clarity of scripture, uh, to all the passages where the Holy Spirit is attributed his deity and his agency and his ministry and what he does. Um, 
and Christ uh, over and over again. Uh, passages that are referencing Yahweh in Psalm in Hebrews being attributed to Christ, the Son. Um, you know, John chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1. Uh, you know, on and on and on, all these passages declaring, uh, screaming at you, uh, the deity of Christ, the deity of the Holy Spirit, uh, the person of the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, and God the Father. Yeah. When you uh, when you came to see all that, uh, did you see it just reading the Bible on your own? Did somebody have to point that stuff out to you? Uh, was it reading the the Jehovah Witness Bible or a regular Bible? Uh, right. So there yeah. was a period. There's a period of my time where I was actually disfellowshipped. Uh, still am from the Jehovah's Witness religion. Um, mm -hmm. Just to to make my dad happy before he passed away, uh, I think I felt the pressure of mm -hmm. conforming to the Jehovah's Witness cult. And so what I did was I wind up you know, getting baptized, uh, not understanding what even that meant. And, and to be mm. frank, not even being explained to what it meant to be baptized and what it symbolized. Mm. Um, but yet I did it uh, out of a necessity for, uh, I felt uh, where I had been in my age and how long I had been a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, so I went ahead and got, uh, got baptized. But so then fast forward, my father passed away, unfortunately, from uh, liver disease. And I kind of went astray. Uh, I ran the streets a lot and I got in trouble in New York and New Jersey as a kid. And so I had these years where they, you know, they try to get me back, but they wanted to bring me, excommunicate me completely. Uh, and I was kind of left to myself as a teenager, um, homeless and an orphan. Uh, so it was kind of a, a rough spot. So fast forward later on, uh, post salvation, uh, a brother mm -hmm. in Christ, you know, pretty much gave me a, shared the gospel with me, mm -hmm. uh, gave me a Bible. And it was over the course of uh, a period of time where uh, he just gave me, you know, books by Charles Spurgeon, John Calvin, Jonathan Edwards. Oh, they gave you all the good guys. That's great. Yeah. So I was reading all the good guys, you know, he kind of just graduated me uh, early on. And I didn't know who these people were. I really thought these were contemporary authors. Turns out these guys were very dead. <laughs> and so I, I didn't know that. And so yeah. I'm seeing my, I'm seeing the gospel on the page. And what God did is, it, it, He did exactly to me what He did to, to Christian and Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan's hmm. Progress. He He always allowed me to see my finish, you know. And my book bag, my my rucksack, kept getting bigger bigger and bigger hmm. but he never allowed me to see christ mentioned probably over and over and over again one day specifically uh there was a, a small paperback book by a contemporary author who who really isn't uh, a great writer uh and that's that's him saying it too but nonetheless that's where i saw the cross that's where hmm. i saw christ that's where i saw my need to believe and place my faith in jesus mm -hmm. uh, to be saved uh because mm -hmm. i couldn't do it myself um and so Upon being saved and then reading the scripture for myself, it just really just, the Lord just really had me soak up a lot of scripture early on. And and again, I I didn't have anybody coach me. I just saw God the Spirit. Uh, one of the first books I read as a saved man was a, a, a guy who I probably wouldn't recommend now, uh, but he wrote a decent book on uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, the forgotten uh, member of the Trinity. 
And so okay. it was rich mm-hmm. theology and pretty good. So, hmm. okay. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like uh, when, when you did actually first hear the gospel, uh, it sounds like you were hungry for, for truth, though, hungry for answers, Absolutely. perhaps because of what you experienced in the cult with the, with the rules and, and everything else, and you knew there was more to the story, but then your own rebellious heart, sinful heart, it sounds like, now, now you and I know the order of salvation Nobody seeks after God. Nobody is good. No one believes. No one wants God until the Holy Spirit first causes us to be born again. And then all of a sudden, like a newborn, we're craving for truth. We're craving for the Lord. We we all of a sudden don't like the sin that we entertained before, right? So it sounds like uh, somewhere in there, God did his sovereign work in your heart. Along came, he sent you some uh, a brother who was well-rooted and you were blessed to get a, a good foundation from the beginning of your walk then, right? And uh, some good sound theology and everything. And, uh, and how, what did it look like from then until uh, you got into, uh, were you right away then into the church, uh, baptized, or was there a progress here several years? What did it look like for you, just out of curiosity? Well, God was very gracious because the, the gentleman who evangelized me wound up discipling me for a few years. He had just got done being disciple, and he was preparing uh, mm. to be a pastor at the time. And he was active in the army, but he was in that process, mm. in that mode of point that he felt called to preach. Um, mm. And so I got to sit and live life with him literally every day. Uh, it wasn't just a Saturday morning thing or once every other week we'll get together and open scripture. It was mm. pretty much most weeks, excuse me, Monday through Sunday. Nice. And so okay. what, we, what we did was we prayed, we read scripture we ran through a whole bunch of Bible studies. We got together on Thursday evenings. We broke bread. We ate very Acts chapter two and uh, four, uh, mm-hmm. verses 41 through 47. Just yeah. breaking yeah. bread, prayers, going to the temple, going to church. He got me mm-hmm. plugged in and um, he got me really oriented to just the truth of being the necessity of being committed to the local church uh, mm-hmm. and sitting mm-hmm. on the pastor. Uh, mm-hmm. and the authority of scripture and the inerrancy of scripture, the infallibility of scripture. These things were mm-hmm. given to me super early and i didn't know what i was getting until i went by the way i was in korea uh during this time oh, okay. uh, and i didn't know i didn't know that the god that the lord was pretty much pouring out just immeasurable and lavishing me with grace through this one gentleman uh this one brother in christ uh because i got back to the states and integrated to uh a church and and meeting folks and now i'm a new christian i've been christian for about a half hour it felt like and I'm meeting mm-hmm. folks, and I, I started meeting, and not judging folks, but just mm-hmm. understanding that I've been giving a certain foundation um, that I need to appreciate more. Yeah. And yeah, so. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. Uh, even in my, uh, when I was mentored in, in the role of uh, the missionary work and the church planning work, uh, I knew it was great when I was getting it. But then afterwards, when I had moved on and was doing everything, and seeing what else was going on in the, in, in, in the, in the, in the mission world, you know, I was like, wow, what in the, I was really given some solid gold. Good. And, I, and that's actually how the mission that we work for that we started came into being because I realized I just can't keep all this stuff to myself. You know, God has given it to me graciously and now I need to continue passing it on to whoever we can. And uh, that's how Practical Missions Cohort uh, came into being. And now one of our, our commitments is training more missionaries uh, as the Lord gives them to us uh, to, to let them flourish in their calling in his work of, of missionary church planning here in Italy. 
Uh, so I, I can understand that sometimes uh, we know something's good, but later on, looking back, then we see maybe how great it really was, you know, and how gracious God was to us. Uh, okay, so so that happened for you uh, in Korea, and uh, and yeah, I noticed this about you, like because uh, you've you've been discipled well, yeah, and I think that's an area, and I think you would agree. Unfortunately, in evangelicalism today, it's it's very uh, superficial. A lot of a lot of what goes on, you know, it's a it's a show up on a Sunday to some kind of rock concert type church service, right? Where there's literally like smoke and gas in some of these places. Uh, that's the concept, and then there's the. It's not even really. It's not. It's not proper preaching. It's, it's some kind of motivational speech, right? right. And then in, in the week, then it's, uh, I don't even know what they do during the week anymore, but real discipleship doesn't seem to happen all that much. Now, for you, it's a regular thing. It seems like God had discipled you. It's just become a regular part of your life. And then even from what I understand, too, the guys who were discipling you, it was always directly from the pastor you were getting discipled, and which explains, I think, also why you have such a, what well, God's given it to you, I think, too, but a love for sound doctrine, a love for the Word, and also that that pastor's heart to minister it to others, to not keep it to yourself. And uh, but th- unfortunately, that's a thing that seems to be missing nowadays in in the average church. Uh, unfortunately, uh, at least in the states, uh, that w- what we would just call regular discipleship, what should be happening. You've been given much grace, and, and we we see it a privilege to pass on to others what's been given to us. Just like the guys who passed it on to you, you do the same. You you find people to invest in, people who are hungry for the word, and you you teach them the word of God, just like you've been taught. And and then God continues to grow His church in that way. Um, so that's really exciting for me to see. That that's great. I mean, that's that's the way we operate here in the mission as well. Because uh, it's almost what I love about doing missions here in Italy, Daniel, is like it's like we're living in the Book of Acts still. You know, uh, when it comes to even training men to be pastors in the church, there's no seminaries here in Italy. There's none of that stuff. It all happens within the local church itself. But that's actually how I believe it should be happening. Uh, men trained in the ministry, they should be getting trained right there in the local church and given opportunities to serve and, and to disciple others and so on. And it should just be much more organic like that happening. And uh, But in Italy, that that's we have no option. But in actuality, that, that's what biblical missions really, and that's how it operates. Is uh, And the other thing today, I guess I could say, I, I might go talk a little bit too much here, but uh, you know, everybody wants like a pulpit nowadays. Everybody wants a, a platform, you know, and this and that. But when you come to Italy and you serve in Italy, you realize even like the, the, the best pastors here in Italy, pastors and theologians, solid guys. There's some really solid guys. Uh, but what I notice is the, level, the, 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 the ground is all level here. And what I mean by that is uh, if you took these guys for how gifted they are and you put them maybe in the U.S., uh, people would move from different cities just to sit under their preaching and teaching. Like they're, they're, they're good guys, just like it happens in the States. And they'd have these big churches of hundreds and maybe thousands of people. Uh, but you bring them here, they're here in Italy where their context is reaching their own people. And they're just like me and other, you know, not great guys like, like myself doing missions work. And, and uh, they got flocks of 10, 20, maybe 30 people. Because that's the reality of Italy. So it's, it's all level playing ground, so to speak, uh, here in Italy. Uh, the situation's that bad. But uh, in any case, yeah, all, all the work... Uh, happens in in the local church in small settings here so uh, like i was mentioning you know people want a pulpit nowadays and, and uh, to be able to have a platform and so on uh, what, what i love about italy is it keeps us grounded keeps us simple keeps us going to the individual people uh christ when he was setting up setting up his ministry he could have set up this major big thing and everything but he just grabbed 12 guys and brought them in close 
And one of them even had an ulterior plan, you know, uh, a different plan to tr- right. betray him. But in any case, he took a small group of guys and, uh, and personally discipled them. And then through that, they were able to multiply. And uh, it, what I love about ministry, maybe because I'm not a super smart guy, is it really is all that simple. You know, you, you obey our Lord Jesus Christ. You, you seek his, his, his help through the power of his spirit to simply proclaim the truth to other people. When they're actually saved, it's a work of His, and we just give Him glory. And then we commit ourselves to them, we love them, we care for them, and we teach them His Word, and, and they grow in grace according to His will. And uh, it's not all that complicated. Is it hard? Absolutely. It's, ter- it's, it's very hard. Does He ask the Lord, uh, does He ask us to do stuff beyond our ability? All the time. Everything we have to do as a Christian is actually beyond our ability. But uh, he's, he's with us in it all, and that's to me, it's really exciting. Uh, let me see, uh, Daniel, if I have any other questions I wanted to ask you. Um, in, 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 in regards to, uh, to your coming out there. So uh, you told us how you heard the gospel and how you were saturated, you were discipled, uh, the Lord caused you to be born again. Uh, maybe you could tell us this. Uh, I don't have this on my notes, but when you did then become an actual Christian and then you joined a, a normal Christian congregation or, or church, uh, did you have to go any, uh, any, through anything uh, because I know coming out of a cult, they can really chastise you. Uh, uh, I don't know, tell you that God's wrath is on you or something like this. Did you have to go through any hardship like that coming out of the cult? That's actually, that's a very great question. Um, so yes, uh, in short, yes, absolutely. Uh, it's interesting because before I was a Christian, uh, my siblings would at least talk to me. And... <laughs> They would communicate, see how I was doing. Uh, we periodically catch up. We weren't exactly close that I would um, rejoin uh, the ranks, if you will, uh, amongst the, uh, mm. the Jehovah's Witnesses. But once I got saved by professing Christ and trying to shoot them scripture and challenge their, uh, their doctrinal stance, uh, that's when the, it just, everything just really stopped. Uh, and it's interesting because of my rough mm-hmm. spell, um, a period of time where I wasn't doing well, uh, I, I got into a whole bunch of trouble with the with, with police and, and all this, you know, illicit behaviors. They were willing to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once Christ uh, grabbed a hold of me and uh, I was transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and started walking with the Lord, th- that's when they wanted absolutely nothing uh, wow. whatsoever okay. uh, to do with me. And my sister just passed away recently uh, in this year. And folks reached out and tried to re-evangelize me. Mm. Uh, and then I, uh, they were trying to be kind. Uh, and, and some old friends of my mm. dad uh, were, were trying to engage me and called. And they said a lot of nice things and they gave their condolences. Mm. But once I told them that I was committed to Christ and told them that I'm a, uh, a lay preacher and, and a gospel preacher, I haven't gotten a phone call since they said, uh, Hey, I, I was one guy said in particular, I was taken back by your last message. Uh, I'll get back to you. And it's been about hmm. three months. Okay. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. They want nothing. No wow. Okay. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. That's, that must be tough. I can only imagine, um, if your family doesn't want anything to do, you were, so you were, when you were living wild, lacking morality and so on. They loved you, cared about you, were trying to bring you back in. But when you became an actual Christian and could not believe the things they believed anymore and be part of that, 
now all of a sudden you became like a bad guy to them and they had to disown you in some sense, huh? Hmm. Right. Now tell me this, uh, looking back, do you think, do you think that was another thing that, that God used to, to strengthen your faith though, from the beginning? So, cause, cause I know, I think challenges in our Christian walk and, and difficulties, or even if we actually obey Jesus and evangelize, usually God uses that to actually strengthen our faith. You know, when we, when we do those things, uh, like with evangelism, we all believe a bunch of stuff, you know, we, we, we're happy to confess Christ. But once we actually put ourselves out there and talk about Jesus to other people and try to lead them to Christ, uh, then all of a sudden our faith can become real. Did, do you think yeah, the Lord uh, strengthened your faith once you did get saved there at the very beginning because of that kind of, uh, where they shunned you? I, you know, I often said that um, I just uh, was part of a Bible study recently, and the pastor said, you know, bad things in the world happen, happens to, uh, or forgive me, when bad things in the world happen to unbelievers, it is a warning from God. When bad things happen uh, circumstantially, providentially within a Christian's life, they're shapers. They're meant mm. to shape your life. Uh, and I think that holds so true, uh, that God and his providence and his sovereignty, as we confess to know it, you know, it's really on us to obey and embrace it and to see um, Lord's faithfulness, even amongst uh, obstacles and trials. So all that's ever done was really just, it threw me back to the scripture. It, it, it really uh, allowed me to trust the Bible even that mm. much more. The fact that the Lord clearly says in the New Testament that friends, family, households will divide, uh, that we would be persecuted, John chapter 14. So all these places where mm. it's a reality, uh, you know, and it's, and it's costly. It's very costly. Uh, um, you know, and, it, and that is a part of the testimony that I, at mm -hmm. least for my story, where it has essentially cost me uh, friends, family, and relationships. Uh, and in some regard, it, it might, I, can, I could say it's even cost me some opportunities career-wise mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Uh, so with that, with that being said, it, it, um, you know, it, it, all, all it's ever done really is convicted me more on how true uh, and how right uh the gospel is and how God is, uh, God is faithful, even, even in that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good advice. Yeah, good, good word there. Uh, brother, we'll, we'll wrap up here today, uh, also because I lost the, my video part here, uh, but that's okay. Um, but uh, thank you again for, for um, giving time, you know, to share this with me and uh, whoever, uh, whoever else might listen in. Uh, it's very encouraging to hear how the Lord worked in your life uh, to deliver you from something like that. Uh, encouraging to me in particular because, as I said, I've evangelized many Jehovah's Witnesses, um, but was, I'm still waiting to see one soundly saved, you know. And uh, so knowing that is possible, I've seen it now. I, I, can, I can say I know a brother who was delivered and, and not just, you know, pulled out of the fire, but pulled out of the fire and, and set next to the, the flowing streams of the Word of God, bearing fruit, and uh, your life and your testimony is a very uh, encouragement, encouragement to me. So thank you, Lord. Uh, I thank the Lord for how He's working in your life and uh, for this conversation we got to have today. Uh, but since we, we, we saw how God sovereignly did that, and I was going to ask you, what, what advice would you give to any of us who want to see Jehovah Witnesses that we know, to see them get saved? Uh, what would be the some tips that you might want to give us? You already mentioned one, which is 
pray for them. And probably the most important thing, be praying for them. Any any other maybe tips, you know, uh, that you would suggest that uh, do this, don't do that, f- don't mention this? I, I don't know. What would you say as we close out? Right. So, so I think there's, uh, what I try to do with evangelism is, is really just try my best to model scripture. So there's a sense in which, that, like Paul in the book of Acts, we ought to labor with those who are uh, who in, who are inquiring about truth, mm-hmm. um, and there's a sense in which where appropriate, I think I don't think those conversations, at least from the way I read it, were necessarily easy. Uh, the Apostle Paul um, almost got—I think he got frustrated at one point, and Jesus said, "No, turn around and go back. I have people there who I've yet to save." So, so one, I think one, be very well versed in the Word of God. Know where to go in Scripture to show that Christ is God. Know. Your, know your Bible, read and know your Bible first and foremost, and that way they can you can um, be confident in, in the Word of God. Uh, the second thing is is uh, just be gracious and be kind. Uh, that you are uh, a a true depiction of the power of Christ in us, mm-hmm. and so just just the very just the very uh, uh, presence of Christ. Uh, we have to understand that when you're there and you're evangelizing. You know, you are a, not only are you just an ambassador, but it's Christ in you. You are empowered mm-hmm. by the Spirit. So the big thing is to believe by faith, to believe by faith that when you are speaking the Word of God, that it will not come back mm-hmm. void. We have to understand the same faith that saves you and justifies you is the same faith that will sanctify you. That's the same faith that we move out with mm-hmm. in ministry. And so if we're sitting there evangelizing and we're doubting the whole time that God would ever move this person's heart— well, we've already failed because we don't believe mm-hmm. by faith. You got to believe by faith as you herald and as you yeah. as you share that man, Christ is going to save you today, and, and, and you know Amen it's on the that. Lord's yeah, time. Uh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So know the scripture, pray, Be gentle, kind. Uh, believe by faith. Yeah, and go by Don't faith. Kind, okay, you know? very good, very good advice. Yeah. Excellent, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you for being uh, being with us. Thank you for sharing. And uh, Lord willing, I hope we can do something similar again. There's all kinds of different things uh, we could talk about, I think. And uh, it could be, if it's a benefit to others yeah. as well, while, while we talk about it, that's just even better. To glory to God. The PMC Media Ministry exists to incorporate Christians into the Lord's mission of evangelism, discipleship, and church planning in Italy so others can flourish in Jesus' global mission whether they go or they stay. Thank you for being a part of the ministry. To learn more about what we do and how you can be involved, visit practicalmissions.org. If you like the podcast, we encourage you now to come on over and join us on the inside. If you love Jesus Christ, you love this podcast, you love the Italian people, you love the church of Jesus Christ, it's the perfect place for you to meet other people and uh, see and understand more about the Italian culture and what is going on with Practical Missions Cohort in the Italian context. Look forward to seeing you over there. God bless.